The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Any health advice given, whether general, diet, physical or spiritual, is general only and must be verified by your doctor. If you need medical advice, please consult a doctor. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the latest edition of the Health and Fitness Show. Uh, I'm your host for today, Suleiman Rafiq, and we are broadcasting live from the studios of Inspire FM on Thursday, the 16th of May 2019, reaching listeners in Luton and surrounding areas on 105.1 FM, as well as the Inspire FM website. If you are listening to this show on Sunday or any other Thursday, then it is a repeat. If you prefer to watch as well as uh, listen, you can view us on the um, Inspire FM Facebook page. All you have to do is click on the live link. Don't forget, guys, this is your show. So why not get involved? And you can do so by text or WhatsApp on 0777 As part of Mental Health Awareness Week, today's topic is regarding body image. And we have a range of expert guests, including uh, my good friend in the studio, uh, Jalal. Asalaamu Alaikum, Jalal. How are you? I'm very well. Fantastic. How's Ramadan going for you? Yes, well, it's almost one one third of it done. One so, month? Oh, no, one third of it. <laughs> one third. <laughs> You're as tired I wish as it I was am. A one month. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think, I think we need to keep each other motivated. Yes. Today, yeah. Yes. Keep each other awake. To the end. Yeah. <laughs> All the way to the end. So, as I say, today's topic is uh, body image. Why uh, is that important for all of our listeners? A recent survey published, in fact, this week found over one third of UK adults have felt anxious or depressed because of concerns about their body image. Furthermore, almost one in five UK adults have felt disgusted because of their body image and one in five said they had felt shame because of their body image in the last year. And the survey found that body image issues can also affect large numbers of men, with a quarter of men saying that they have felt depressed because of concerns about their body image. Almost a third of British teenagers feel ashamed of their body image with imagery of idolised bodies driving their insecurities. However, this isn't exclusive to young people. Interestingly, it was clear from the survey that body image affects people throughout their lives. One in five people aged 55 and above have said that they have felt anxious because of their body image. So the charity is now demanding uh, reform in relation to social media and advertising that is linked to worry about body image. They are also providing advice about how people can take individual action to protect themselves. So as I say, this is a live show and the reason it's live uh, is to allow you to get in touch. And you can do this by text or WhatsApp on 0777 That number again, 
0777-948-1822. And I really appreciate uh, anyone getting in touch just so we can be reassured there's people out there and uh, you're finding the topic interesting and engaging. So as I say, I'm delighted to have three expert guests. Uh, I'll start on the phone and we should have uh, Claire from a local charity. Claire, are you there? Hello there. Hi. Hi there, Claire. Could you just introduce yourself and a bit about your organisation? Yes, certainly. My name's Claire and I'm founder and um, service um, director for Caroline, an established eating disorder charity based in Luton. Um, it's our 25th anniversary this year mm-hmm. and we work with um, all those living with eating disorders within the Luton and Bedfordshire area. Fantastic, fantastic. 25 years this year. 25 years and I've been old. (laughs) Congratulations, (laughs) it's quite a milestone. Thank you very much, thank you. And we should also have uh, Ed from the Mental Health Foundation. Ed, could you introduce yourself and a bit of background around your organisation? Yeah, hi, my name's Ed Davey. I'm the Communities Lead at the Mental Health Foundation, which is a UK-wide charity. And our focus is on preventing mental illness and helping people to improve their mental health. And it's actually our 70th birthday this year, um, so 25 years is fantastic. Uh, we've made it slightly longer than that. So Just showing off there, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. It's great to see um, that these services are, are, are kind of so cemented in, 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 in the local area. And um, finally, we're delighted to say friend of the programme, friend of the station, Jalal. Could you introduce yourself and your organisation? Um, yes, um, I'm from Our Minds Matter and Time to Change. We're not as, um, you know, I think we're the younger <laughs> versions of the mental health um, organisations, um, but it shows you basically um, how much work we've got to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, our Pacific charity is looking at how we can um, provide that education, particularly to faith communities and those who face the discrimination the most. Fantastic. So hopefully between us all, we've come together to, as I say, as part of Mental Health Awareness Week, focus in on the concerns around body image. Um, Before we we get on to the specifics around body image, Ed, could I come to you around, can you just articulate some basic definitions when we're talking about mental health? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's it's quite a hard thing to actually define, but I mean, I think the most useful way of to try and think about it is, is it's a bit like physical health and it's connected very uh, very closely with physical health and we don't I mean because quite often the conversation about mental health quickly descends into a conversation about mental illness mm. and actually you know mental health we all have mental health just as we all have physical health and sometimes we enjoy good physical and mental health and sometimes our mental or physical health is less good and there are things that we can do to look after our mental health just as we can do to look after our physical health and um, you know we we're all born with a, a greater or lesser likelihood of developing a mental ill health just as we are a physical ill health you know through the genes that we inherit from our parents but regardless of of, of our risk factor from our genes there are things that we can all do to look after our own mental and physical health uh, and those around us um, you know just things like keeping active, um, eating well, drinking sensibly, staying in touch, uh, looking after ourselves in various ways are things that, that we can do to keep our mental fitness uh, right, just as we would try and look after our physical fitness. Um, but obviously it's a spectrum, and as I say, sometimes people tip over 
into stress, into de-stress, which can turn into a diagnosable mental Ill illness, and then they may need the support of formal services um, through their doctor and then maybe through specialist uh, health services. But, but as I say, all of us have mental health. We're all on a spectrum. We all need to do things to look after our, our mental health just as we do our physical health. Great. And so you, you, my understanding is the Mental Health Foundation that are coordinating, hosting the Mental Health Awareness Week. Uh, what, what exactly is the Mental Health Awareness Week? So, yeah, we, we began Mental Health Awareness Week, uh, I believe it was 2003, certainly quite a number of years ago now. Because um, what we found is that, that, that whilst, uh, as I say, you know, I made the comparison and the link with physical health. While there was quite a lot of awareness about physical health and things that you can do to look after your physical health, like not smoking and eating certain foods and not drinking alcohol and exercising and those kinds of things, we found there was very low awareness of mental health and mental illness. And also, not just low awareness, but actual kind of stigma, discrimination, um, uh, and in certain communities, you know, it was associated with, with, you know, some real misconceptions about what it was about, and people didn't like to talk about it. So we wanted to raise people's awareness of, of mental health in general and the positive messages about what we can do to look after our mental health and of those, of, of, of those around us. Mm. Um, so we began that in 2003, and since then, you know, it's had a huge, huge impact. Um, um, before, there was very little awareness. People didn't like to talk about it. It was a taboo subject, um, and now... We've got millions and millions of people interacting, not just in this week, but throughout the year. We've got the royal family engaged in it and talking about their experience of mental ill health, like Prince Harry, for example, talking about how the bereavement around his mother's death affected him. And all of that's really powerful because it, it sends a message to everybody that anybody, you know, from royalty down and up um, can experience mental illness and it's nothing to be ashamed of and that help is available if someone is unwell. So we're really proud of the fact that we've played some role in raising mental health up the political agenda. And now we have this moment, you know, there's been a lot of public health campaigns and we know that um, when public health, a public health issue is in the spotlight, like smoking has been in the past or getting people to wear seat belts, you've got about five years to make a difference. Um, and so we're in the midst of that five years now. We really need to... Uh, make progress and, and turn all the talk and awareness into actual action that will improve people's health and make sure the services are there for people when they, they are unwell. Yeah, absolutely. And it was it was fascinating to see uh, last night um, the program with uh, on BBC One with Nadia, who was uh, went to school in Luton, so is Lutonian, uh -huh. and uh, it was really very very powerful as part of a wide range of media that's happening around Mental Health Awareness Week. And absolutely. And as part of that series, um, the actor David Harewood is on tonight talking about his experience of psychosis, and I actually went to the premiere of it last week mm. um, and had a sneak preview and it is an, it's an amazingly powerful film because you know um, people do have started talking more about depression and anxiety and what are called the common mental uh, illnesses but it's very rare you hear someone be so open about a serious mental illness about psychosis and mm. i think that's that's a measure of how far we have come that we can now have a major celebrity david Harewood's in the yeah. off, you know ma major tv programs talking really openly about that experience and also, you know, ethnicity is quite a strong factor in, in mental health. Um, and David is, is, is a black guy from, 
uh, you know, Afro-Caribbean background, and Nadia obviously is, is from an Asian background, and I think that's really powerful as well to um, connect with those particular communities who, who have specific issues around mental health that we really need to be brave and, and confront and talk about. So it's, it's, it's amazing and brilliant. Absolutely. And that kind of brings us nicely on in terms of locally, Jalal, um, the work that you're involved with, with the Time for Change partnership. Um, what, what have you been doing around Mental Health Awareness Week? Um, I think what we talk, I mean, we've been in the mall, um, so on the ground, um, and we're approaching the public. And we're saying, look, you know, not one expert is enough. You've got so many different people who can add to the conversation. And so what we're trying to do, we're trying to promote all the other organisations to say, look, it's not just my job or your job. It's actually everyone's responsibility. So therefore, we invite partners to say, look, come and show um, and uh, not sell your service, but show them what you can do. Because people have different needs, just like the physical body. You're going to have different needs for your mental health as well as your physical health. So we've been in the mall uh, promoting different services and also having a discussion on body image. Mm-hmm. Um, just just before I come on to Claire, um, Ed, can I just ask in relation to uh, why why is it that body image has been the the, the focus of um, the campaign um, this this year, and and why is it that it feels as though it's becoming such a big issue um, at the moment? Um, well, last year our focus was on stress. Right. Uh, in quite a general way. So every every year we do a big survey. We survey over 4,000 um, people across the UK. So it's a really big sample. So it gets a very accurate picture of what people are, are thinking about and concerned about. And last year we had this general survey about stress. And what was interesting in that is that the um, concerns about body image came out as, as quite a, a major factor in creating stress in people's lives. So we thought that would be an interesting uh, thing to look at in more detail in this year's survey and have it as a theme um, for for this year's Mental Health Awareness Week. Mm. And then interestingly, you know, during the year, um, there was the TV program Love Island, um, yes. which I haven't watched myself, but... <laughs> um, and, and in it, there were some adverts for cosmetic surgery, and we, as an organisation, actually complained to the Advertising Standards Authority and had those adverts removed and um, sort of strengthened the rules around what could be advertised with certain programs because what we were finding was that, that this was really triggering for people that on Love Island, as I understand it, is people sitting around in uh, bathing costumes looking in a particular kind of un- a, a way of looking beautiful in certain people's understandings. And then the viewers were comparing themselves with these kind of almost unobtainable bodies they were seeing on the on the telly and then being uh it was suggested to them that they should get really expensive you know surgery mm. which which you know we felt was really inappropriate and the advertising standards agency agreed with us and that kind of stuff television programs social media um where you're seeing celebrities and and models and others with quite often unobtainable unrealistic um even photoshopped body images and then people are comparing themselves particularly not exclusively but but young women and girls it's a particular issue for but but other people as well and and that makes people feel really uncomfortable um it can make them feel disgusted with their own body it can make them feel really anxious 
and stressed and in some cases they don't want to even go out or they resort to something really drastic like cosmetic surgery which which doesn't make most people happy so we felt it was a growing issue it was certainly reflected in our survey last year and our survey this year that was specifically about body image certainly bore that out and that about a fifth of people in the UK have real problems and issues around body image and their mental health so I think and then we've had you know amazing amount of response this week it's our biggest ever response we've had millions and millions of interactions with people um, through television programs radio shows like yourself through social media um, so it's obviously resonating with people that this is a genuine issue and it, it, it is a big big issue for people sure and claire you said there you know with your organization it's been around for 25 years now um with your experience you know what can feeling unhappy about a person's body image lead on to well um eating disorders um specifically um and it's interesting in what ed's just just been mentioning that actually we, we've noticed increasingly over the last few years the increase of service uptake in particular with young people and the comparisons they're making uh, in terms of social media which wasn't around when Caroline initially started. Now uh, eating disorders are severe and complex mental health problems and um, they have actually the highest mortality rate probably than any other psychiatric order so it's a real cause for concern mm. and how how would someone access um support from your organization what's what's the pathway there There's various routes um we are uh, we offer self-referral so somebody can either get through to us uh, either phoning us or through our website or through facebook they can fill in their own um referral form as soon as we receive that we will contact that person and we will do what's called a triage assessment just assessing um, um, what's what's happening for them over the phone because we offer a step care pathway uh, with uh, uh, our local CAMS team our local our local adult community eating disorder service so so we explain that to the, serv the potential service user as why we're doing the triage just to make sure that we are um, putting them into the right service mm -hmm. fantastic and that's uh, luton based and so people can contact you luton via and the luton and bedford yeah. fantastic yeah. that's yeah. that's that's great to know and um so ed I've, I've, i noticed when i was just looking up for around this topic that there was quite a number of different case studies on the mental health foundation website and one of the things that really struck me was that uh, and this just may be my ignorance, but I presume this would be predominantly a problem with younger people, you know, maybe younger girls, for example. But actually what a lot of the case studies bore out was, for example, uh, Mohammed's story where he was an older, older, older male uh, and his concerns around body image. I don't know if you've seen any of those case studies. Is it something you could summarize for listeners that haven't seen them? Yeah, I mean, like you say, the stereotype, and with some accuracy, the main, the, ma the main group of people who are really badly affected by this does tend to be sort of teenage girls and young women, but it affects all different kinds of people. And so we, we wanted to talk to people we've been in contact with from different age groups and ethnicities and walks of life about, about um, their experience of, of, of their body image. And as you say, uh, one of them uh, is a guy called Mohammed. Um, who is of, of Asian origin um, in his 60s. And um, he talked to us about 
how, you know, even as an older man, um, the perceptions of him by other people uh, were not the same as how he felt about himself. So he enjoyed playing football and staying physically active. And he, was, he told us that, you know, when he, he would go on the five-side pitch, sometimes people, the younger guys, would look at him like, what are you doing here? <laughs> as, if, as if an older guy yeah. doesn't belong on a football pitch. Sure. Um, and, mm. But he did say, you know, once he'd scored a hat-trick against <laughs> most of these teams, uh, they had some respect for him. Um, but also he talked about how, how, how you know, someone from, you know, of, from the Indian subcontinent where traditionally family is incredibly important and that some people in his own community thought he didn't really have any business going around playing football. He should just be concentrating and spending all his time with his family. So mm-hmm. it's not strictly speaking a body image issue, but it was quite an interesting kind of cultural uh, issue that... that so, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have, it wouldn't have occurred to me as a kind of white British guy. But I thought that was interesting that he had to overcome this feeling that, you know, why, why are you messing around playing football? You should be concentrating on your, your kids and your grandkids. Mm. Uh, but actually, you know, staying physically fit, playing football um, was important to him and important in the way he perceived himself and his body. So I just thought it was quite an interesting case study of how, um, of, of how different people have different issues around this. Uh, in a way that we might not immediately kind of appreciate if we just look at it uh, from our own perspective. Sure. And is that something, Jalal, like through, you know, working with faith groups and stuff, is something that you kind of recognise locally? Yeah, yes. Um, there's normally a misconception, mainly. It's to do with, say, you know, how you would um, um, put, put communities together and just, you know, um, have one type of approach in one way. So... Um, you know, there's a clear difference between, um, you know, British, uh, Pakistani, and the Pakistani of like someone who's come from Pakistan, um, because they'd have. But I think the, the key thing for us is that what we're finding is, even with ethnic minorities and faith groups particularly, that it comes back to the socioeconomic stuff, poverty, you know, unemployment, education, and the whole conversation around, um, you know describing people into certain groups, yeah. it's a big smokescreen. That's what we're finding. Because okay. when we're doing the research, yeah. I mean, we're working with, actually, the issues are very similar. Mm. And it doesn't matter where you're from, but what's actually is the big, one of the biggest factors is around education, unemployment. Yeah. That's what the, the two things. And then you've got housing. And then you've got discrimination. Mm. So all of these things are the actual underlying mm. why people might not, well, why people might have ill health, yeah. just as your physical health was your mental health. Mm. But because they're being banded in these groups, yeah. um, it's giving off a different, you know, perce- um, concept, um, different uh, perception yeah. about or perceiving these people in a different way. That's mm. one thing we're finding. But that's what happens when you do on the ground work, when you actually go and talk to people, you think actually... The issues that you face are not much different to you know to other parts of the mm. community or other parts of towns and um, places in the UK. Yeah, and so this is a community station, and uh, this show is live. And the reason we do that is so people can interact. So why not? And you can do that by calling us on zero one five eight two four eight one eight two two, or you can text or WhatsApp on o triple seven nine. Four eight one eight two two. That number again: oh triple seven nine four eight one eight two two. I mean, that's really interesting in terms of obviously your experience and knowledge of um, um, working on the ground, as you say, and some of those um, 
smokescreen, as you put it, in relation to some of the core issues around people who have more uh, higher levels, yeah? Yeah, I think we all do it. Look, I'm not saying it's just, you know, professionals and, you mm. know, authorities that do it. It's yeah. also us. We yeah. hide behind cultures and flags mm. um, to hide, actually, the serious issues yeah. that we face. Yeah. Okay, and so um, one of the things Ed that came out of the um, of the of your publication was a desire not just to uh, write a report, but to actually provide some practical tips uh, for people uh, for looking after themselves. Is that something you can elaborate on? Yeah, I mean, uh, so we I don't know if you ever heard of five ways to well being, but we actually have a, a, a ten ways to well being. We've we've been proved it by 100 <laughs> percent so i mean and they're they're, they're all based on scientific research sure. when i describe them you, you'll hear they sound really commonsensical mm. you know this isn't like rocket science this is this is um common sense stuff so yeah. Ed, just before you continue, I'm just conscious, apologies, uh, we're due to be heading shortly to an advert break. So rather oh, than yeah. get you going and then have to cut you off midway, uh, I'm going to suggest if you could just hold fire with us. Uh, we're going to go to the advert break and then we're going to pick that up again. Is that okay? Yeah, of course. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you very much for that. And so, Jalal, we've got 20 seconds to the advert break. Is there anything else you'd like to say? I'd say, you know, just keep on listening to the rest of the show and you'll find lots more uh, That's interesting debates. Yes. <laughs> I like that. Absolutely. No, please do stay with us. As I say, if you want to get in touch, you can do that. 01582481822. Text or WhatsApp 0777-9481822. Stay tuned. Uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum to all uh, listeners and viewers. Welcome back to the Health and Fitness Show. I'm your host for today, Suleiman Rafiq, uh, broadcasting live from the studios here at Inspire FM. Today's the 16th of May and inshallah I hope you're all having a wonderful uh, Ramadan and it's truly flying away with us uh, and you're all benefiting from today's show. Uh, apologies there Ed, we had to go for a short break. I'd just like to bring you back in in terms of practical advice for people um, to support themselves. Yeah, of course, no worries. Um so, yes, as I say, we have kind of 10 ways to well-being that we talk about that's based on the scientific evidence, but as you'll hear, they're, they're also kind of common sense things that probably most people do anyway, but it's good to think about which one of these you do and rely on and which one of these maybe you could do some more of. So the first one is talking about your feelings. Uh, you know, not to stereotype people, but women tend to be better at this that, that, than men. So men out there, um, you know, you need to talk about your feelings sometimes and genuinely connect with each other and not just say, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. You know, we need to actually talk about stuff. Um, keeping active, physically active, that is, is really important. doesn't mean you have to go to the gym, but, like, sort of build it into your day. Try and walk as much as possible. Use the stairs rather than a lift, things like that, for those who are able. Eating well. Um, I'm guessing the next one, which is about drinking alcohol sensibly, is probably less relevant to most of your listeners who are, 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 I think, mostly of Muslim faith and therefore alcohol not such a big thing. Um, keep in touch with people, especially your loved ones. Uh, those of us whose family members further away from us, we need to stay in touch and keep connected. That's really good for our mental health. Um, ask for help. There's no shame in asking for help. 
uh, at first that could just be from family and friends, but if you feel like it's too much of a problem to, to handle, you should try and seek professional help or help from the kind of voluntary sector agencies that you've got on the show today. Um, take a break. You know, we all kind of can work too hard. It's important to take a break. Do something you're good at. Accept who you are. Um, sometimes, you know, we, we, you know, my son thinks he's going to be a premiership footballer. Maybe he will. I hope so. But, um, you know, we can't always get to where we dreamt that we might be. And therefore, it's really important that we accept we're doing okay and that we, even if we're not a Hollywood actor or a premiership footballer, that's okay for us. And the last one is, is caring for others. Um, not only is that good for the people or the pets or whatever that we're caring for, but that's also really good for our mental health and our community. So like I say, you know, they're all based on scientific evidence, but I think most of your listeners would probably agree they're commonsensical things that, that they probably do most of them anyway. But I think if all of your listeners think about maybe one or two of those they, they could improve on, then we all might enjoy better mental health. And if they can't remember what I just said, just look up the Mental Health Foundation website and they are they are on there. Fantastic. Thank you for that, Ed. And just uh, had a specific question in from a uh, listener in relation to, um, and this is open to any one of our three guests, um, what is the best way to support someone, uh, friends or family, that uh, you recognise has body dysmorphia? Yeah, don't jump in all at once. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, I've, I'm not an expert in body dysmorphia. I mean, what is body dysmorphia? Uh, well, body dysmorphia is, is dysmorphia is where that you you perceive something about your body that may not be physically the case. So uh, you, you you may think that you. Are, are hugely overweight, for example, when actually you're of a perfectly, um, you know, from an objective point of view, or a perfectly reasonable weight. And the people um, have their perceptions kind of uh, bent by maybe looking at too many kind of supposedly beautiful pictures of models and saying, well, I don't look like that, so therefore I must be disgustingly fat when they're actually a perfectly reasonable body shape. Mm. And so it's about it's about the difference between the objective reality of a person's body and how they perceive it in their own mind. And of course, our perceptions in our own minds of, of things is really, really key to our understanding of the world and our place in it. And so this is not a trivial matter. This can be really fundamental to someone's good mental health and their, their feelings about themselves. So I, I think if someone, someone is feeling that way and they express that a lot, and it is a concern for a friend or a relative, then it's, it's probably important to try and get them some professional help. And usually the first step to that is talking to the family doctor, the, the GP, um, or looking up. Uh, there's lots of uh, uh, advice available online from various um, charities and voluntary sector. I mean, you have to be slightly careful online because Obviously, there's all kinds of things online, some of which is good and some of which is not good. Um, so you want to make sure it's a reputable charity because there are some, some websites that actually kind of promote anorexia and other negative things. So you need to be slightly careful looking online. Um, but, yeah, I would say seek, seek help and advice from a reputable source, either online or via your GP. Or you can go in your library or um, 
to your citizen's advice bureau and, and ask where local services that are appropriate for that person would be, would be my advice. Great, fantastic. Thank you very much for that. And just in terms of um, Jalal, practical tips, is there anything else? I mean, Ed gave 10 great ones. Yeah, I mean, if uh, I'd say the, the key thing is, you know, most people, um, the people that we um, help don't go to um, uh, GP services, you know, and that's why we have to make sure our infrastructure is well informed around mental health education, uh, so in our case, will be you know particularly faith groups or places of worship, um, where a, the ability to have that conversation conf- in, in a confidential space um, will require the other person re- require some training, so understanding about body dysphoria mm. or whatever mental health condition. In that sense, now the how faith connects to it is actually there's lots of guidance in any of the scriptures across different faiths about how you should go about your day and how you should go about your conduct and value things about which are important. Now, believe it or not, that actually physical appearance is actually not that important, but physical hygiene is, is really important in that sense, just to keep yourself um, safe, really. Mm. So I think when you're thinking about um, body dysphoria and you're going to places of worship, like say, for example, a mosque, Think about what the actual guidance is trying to tell you around. Okay, well, what do you, what do you, what does, what what is the guidance for you to go about your appearance? And the big thing is around hygiene. So making sure that you've washed, um, not excessively, of course, within moderation. Um, if you're in sort of like prayer, then you're in constant evolution. Have um, you access to um, certain materials, and also not to be judgmental of others that's the key bit and not to be judgmental of yourself these are the things that the guidance is telling you about how you should conduct yourself and when you do that you move away from the physical appearance and you start to focus on the emotional and the mental side to you and also the spiritual side which is what you would approach your character in the first place sure that's 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 interesting uh concept uh so ed i'm just conscious do you do you have to leave us uh i think originally it was till half past six we've kept you for a bit longer than that or are you able to stay on uh well i'm i'm happy to stay on for a bit Fantastic. I my, my my kids running around <laughs> first in, no problem no worries <laughs> i've often had that experience working from home <laughs> that's really kind of you um claire i just want to bring you in now yeah. and really focus on your kind of expertise in relation to um what to do if you suspect like a friend or relative is struggling with an eating disorder and how would you approach something like that? Okay, I think that's a really good question because um, with eating disorders, um, initially um, it might not be visible and it's not always visible because there's various sorts of eating disorders that somebody is living with an eating disorder. But if you suspect that somebody you care about, whether it's a friend or relative, is... Um, having difficulties in terms of an eating disorder, often the first stage of that is the person who has eating disorder is in denial, if you like. So actually, um, I I think what's helpful to look at is what not to do and what to do. Mm. So when you care about somebody and you're seeing that they're not eating properly or they're exercising excessively, and that person might be consistently seeking reassurance, around whether they're slim or whether they look fat as a carer somebody cares you're going to reassure them that you're going to want to say 
no, you're not fat, you're, you're not slim. But actually what we know is reassurance doesn't work because if it did, then you don't need to say it that one time. Right. Yeah. So I think the, the key thing is is to say, because you've got to think about readiness, mm. is, to, is, is to be able to approach them and to say, I care about you and uh, I've noticed this um, and it's causing some concern. They might open up at that point or they might not. But you could also say, look, I've just left some information here for you to have a look at in your own time um, of places that might be helpful for you to go and talk to someone, whether that be go to your GP, whether it be contact Caroline. What's really key is not to force them. And it's also okay to say, I might not understand what's going on for you because people don't understand if they're not living with it. And, uh, and it's okay to say, I don't understand what's going on for you, but I am happy to listen. You know, kind of, mm. kind of feeds into to what Ed was saying, wasn't it, about being able to speak out and, and to share how you're feeling or encourage someone to share how they're feeling. And just by having somebody listen to them and, um, and, and know that they're not going to be forced into anything they don't want to do, then you're more likely to uh, be able to engage that person and, and get them into some kind of support. But the key things not to do is comment on their weight and, and say to them, what a waste. You know, often people say that, um, oh, it, it's such a waste of food and there's people starving in different countries. And uh, that, that, that's just not going to work. What's likely to happen is that person's likely to isolate themselves more. And, and, and can I just say something else? I know it's jumping back a bit in terms of body dysmorphic disorder. Yeah, please do. In terms of um, what, what your, um, your listener asked. I think, I think what's really important, because often sometimes people confuse body dysmorphic disorder and eating disorders. But they are quite different. Now, I'm not an mm. expert on yeah. body dysmorphic disorder. But um, what we do know in terms of... Um, uh, uh, evidence-based and research-based approach with body dysmorphic disorder. It's very effective if they work with some, you know, a CBT uh, approach. Um, and it could be, and it, and it might not be about weight, for instance, whereas we know with eating disorders, uh, it's very much focused on evaluation of self based on shape and weight and its control. And body dysmorphic disorder, it could be about a particular part of their body, like eyes, for instance. Or, or their nose, and some people might not even leave the house because they're spending eight hours putting on eye makeup. So there is a difference, and it just feels important to, to say that because there could yeah. be some confusion. No, is absolutely. That okay? Yeah, no, that's really yeah. helpful to be be clearing yeah. and kind of our definitions. And yeah, um, different. Absolutely, yeah. and the differences there, absolutely. And just, um, you know, thank you to the listener who, who, who uh, messaged in absolutely. with that. Just a reminder yeah. to anyone listening that they can get in touch and they can do that by calling us on 01582481822 otherwise you can whatsapp or text us on 0779481822 and um, just just continuing with that Claire in relation to um, eating disorders I mean can you can you kind of define what you mean when you say eating disorder and what causes eating disorders okay there there is there's no one single thing that causes an eating disorder. 
But what we know are there are some common put my teeth in <laughs> common elements. Um, there could be some previous trauma, an adverse um, event, whether that's bereavement or some form of abuse. But this is not always the case. Okay. But what we do know with um, eating disorders, whatever presentation, now most people have heard of anorexia nervosa, most people have heard of bulimia nervosa, but actually there's several other forms of eating disorders, binge eating disorder, eating disorders not otherwise specified, but that's also now been changed to OSFED, but it kind of means the same thing. And what they all have in common is the person's um, evaluation of themselves is placed mainly in, on, on their shape and weight and its control. So the behaviours that they present are trying to control shape and weight. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. so restriction, like under-eating or restraint eating, avoidance of certain foods and compensating if they eat those foods, is to drive that... Uh, that that stronghold of of themselves in terms of their shape and weight and what kind of keeps that going then for a person for like a well system? what what maintains that yeah. is that is is things like um under eating so restriction hunger because um because they're under eating because they want to um uh, remain at a, a in some cases unhealthy weight or to think that it's going to affect their weight um if they feel they've eaten too much, they may compensate by um, excessive exercise, self-induced vomiting, um, and, um, and, and other ways to, as a form of weight control. Sure, they may sure. excessively weigh. They may body check, which includes mirror checking, uh, comparison making, which we've talked about earlier, is a big one. Um, body touching or body avoidance, even, mm. depending on what presentation. All of those are problematic, sure. and all of those maintain and keep the eating disorder going. So what you would try to do um, as a uh, professional working with somebody with an eating disorder is look at trying to break those down, right. break that down, so that that, that kind of uh, evaluation of self based on shape and weight eventually starts to tumble down because it marginalizes other areas of their life. If everything they're focusing on is their shape, weight and its control, then it's minimizing other parts of their life. Mm. So they, they socially, they kind of isolate themselves. Sure. Could you imagine just being asked to go out for dinner if you're suffering from an eating disorder or going out socially with friends and worrying about calories, mm. etc. That all keeps that going by avoidance etc so that's the kind of thing you'd be working with sure now that's really interesting and you know it's, it's amazing the work that you're doing um you know in luton and bedfordshire to to support people around this and have been doing so for the last 25 years um given 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 the severity of the issue i mean Gillette, i just want to bring you in here in terms of um you spoken earlier in regards to faith groups so you know you, we might have listeners now who 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 are members of faith groups might lead faith groups etc um What's the advice for faith groups around body image and in connection to mental health? How can they support people? Um, yeah, I mean, they, they share a common ground. Uh, when we say faith groups, we mean also people who might not belong to a particular uh, religion. It can be just humanists, people who work 
not just for money but because they want to help people because of their values and ethics so you know it does apply to them as well um i think there's a lot of common ground especially around actually what's important um is it important to look good so you know when you're you know when you're young and you might get a compliment mm-hmm. if you're you know young child whatever oh that looks very nice on you or that looks very good on you so there's lots of to do with the reinforcement about compliments instead of to say actually that's very compassionate of you that's very kind of you we should be doing that and a lot of these organizations they're not having they should be having this type of discussion to say actually when we're talking about body image or appearance that actually when it's being done from an you know young age we're being conditioned in that particular way so when we compliment so oh, that red dress looks nice on you or oh, that blue look looks good on you that mm. kind that kind of um, behavior what it does it conditions the child to become an adult to be concerned about the image but if we did what faith groups or um, faith communities which emphasize in the guidance to say we re- should reward or pass compliments on behaviors to say that's very kind of you or um caring of mm. you well done i think okay. if you reinforce that that mm. would have an impact so it's actually listen to a bit of intelligence and mm. just li- going back to the basics here mm. and say look what is the f- all the faith guidance are trying to teach us about yeah. civilization yeah so just to be clear then so w- w- what we're saying is we shouldn't spend so much with uh, with children um not spend so much time uh praising them for how they look but more how they behave if i understood that yeah like you know the big and strong thing um you know that's another one for yeah. for men yeah. you know that yeah, infor- yeah. reinforces that mm. so i think you have to you know scratch beyond the surface and go right deep and say look what's causing all these issues mm. you know we can't just deal with the symptoms of the problem and just keep going back and repairing yeah. the, you know the paper cracks that yeah. kind of thing you have to go yeah. back and say right what's the foundation what's holding all this up yeah address the foundation and then build it properly yeah and so like ed mentioned there you know uh, mental health foundation's been around for 70 years obviously there's been a raft of um uh, coverage this week you know on tv and, and across from various different media but yet there still seems to be this stigma a stigma attached mm. to mental health and discussing it i mean uh, particularly within uh, you know the, the kind of muslim community what what, what are your thoughts on that jalal um it it does it does exist everywhere i think what it does because of discrimination because some um people will get treated differently and they do and that's one of the things we're going to target and we're going to sort out um therefore it increases the stigma we don't want to talk about it because what it does it becomes you know um a focus on you and you don't want to deal with that on your own so therefore uh, you start to become isolated and that increases the stigma where if everybody was sharing like mental health foundation done some great work over the years you know we're just starting to have that conversation across all communities mm. um then what we do we improve the confidence enabled around this type of topic mm. and also how to discuss things when things go wrong to actually say it's quite normal um with muslims in particular what we can do is look at um places of worship to say well how do we have that conversation and what does our faith tell us in terms of like actually yes look at the conduct and the ethics and the values and the behaviors then you can start to tackle um the stigma and then you start to address the discrimination sure and so locally you mentioned time for change luton and there's opportunities for people and faith groups to become champions and join the network is that right 
Yes, so basically um, it's a national campaign, it's time to change um, and we, we brought this campaign into the town just like when we tried to, when we promoted Mental Health Awareness Week which was um, you know, coordinated by Mental Health Foundation so we're bringing in evidence-based products and campaigns to say look, these are the quality things that you should pay attention they're really good, they're effective and they work so this Champions Network that we've got we've got quite a few in Newton but we want people to join the campaign because the only real change if everyone gets involved, mm. it's not going to happen if it's just me and you. Um, and this is an example of like bringing the discussion onto a community radio station. That's a clear example. Fantastic. So if there are any listeners who would be interested in becoming champions, what, what do they need to do? The best thing to do is go onto the website. Um, that's timetochange.org.uk. Sign up as a champion. You'll get an email with further instruction on how to become a champion. You can do whatever you want and they'll give you all the resources and the support that you need. So therefore, it's very, very consistent. Fantastic, fantastic. I'm just conscious the time is getting away with us. Um, Ed, are there any kind of final reflections you'd like to share? Yeah, I'm just uh, reflecting on what was just the discussion about faith groups. And I think they're, they're really important in this. And I know a number of examples. Sounds like you're doing some great work in Luton. Um, I live in, in Lambeth in South London. I know that in the neighbouring borough of Wandsworth, there's, there's a, a Muslim guy called Malik Ghul who runs something called the Wandsworth Community Empowerment Network. And he, he's reached out to local faith groups, so mosques, um, black churches in particular, and, um, and, and Sikh temples and people like that. And then he connects them with the local mental health trust and gives training to faith leaders about how to recognize and support people with mental health conditions and then he introduces those faith leaders to people uh, who can provide professional uh, clinical help when they need it and that way you're kind of respecting the community and its leaders and you're bringing them uh, into into professional support when individuals in that community need it and i think that's the kind of respectful dialogue we need to have rather Mm. than kind of stereotype people but just trying to work and respect people's different backgrounds and cultures and, and learn from each other and I think there are, there, are, there are ways of doing that that are really important and I just think it's really positive that you know, you've invited us all on and it sounds like you're doing mm-hmm. some fantastic work in Luton and um, I just think it's another sign that we're really making progress in raising awareness, and breaking down stigma and taboos that as I say mental health, we all have mental health, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, sometimes people get ill and just like you asked for help when you had a physical illness, if you got a rash or flu or cancer or something, you would you would go to a doctor that sometimes that's necessary for, for mental illness. But there are things that we can do to look after our mental health just as we do our physical health. So Fantastic. We're on a journey and we're, we're, we're making good progress. Fantastic. Ed, thank you very much for your time. Uh, we've literally got 20 seconds left. Claire, have you got any final words? I just want to say it's just fantastic to have the opportunity to be part of this radio interview and also to say in Luton that clearly there is good work going on because we've noticed an increase in um, in service uptake from the Asian community and uh, we also... Um, fantastic. Uh, will, yeah. Yeah, thank great. you. Thank you very much. For jo- Hopefully we'll have you all back on soon. Love that. Okay. Yeah, we're going great. straight to our uh, advertisement breaks. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at inspirefmluton.